Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, with translations and purports by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. First Canto, Chapter 13, Texts 44 through 60. Text 44. O King, in all circumstances, whether you consider the soul to be an eternal principle, or the material body to be perishable, or everything to exist in the impersonal absolute truth, or everything to be an inexplicable combination of matter and spirit, feelings of separation are due only to illusory affection and nothing more. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The actual fact is that every living being is an individual part and parcel of the Supreme Being, and his constitutional position is subordinate cooperative service, either in his conditional material existence or in his liberated position of full knowledge and eternity. The living entity is eternally under the control of the Supreme Lord. But those who are not conversant with the factual knowledge put forward many speculative propositions about the real position of the living entity. It is admitted, however, by all schools of philosophy that the living being is eternal and that the covering body of the five material elements is perishable and temporary. The eternal living entity transmigrates from one material body to another by the law of karma, and material bodies are perishable by their fundamental structures. Therefore, there is nothing to be lamented in the case of the souls being transferred into another body, or the material bodies perishing at a certain stage. There are others who believe in the merging of the spirit soul in the Supreme Spirit when it is uncovered by the material encagement. And there are others also who do not believe in the existence of spirit or soul, but believe in tangible matter. In our daily experience, we find so many transformations of matter from one form to another, but we do not lament such changing features in either of the above cases, the force of divine energy is uncheckable. No one has any hand in it. And thus, there is no cause of grief. Text 45 Therefore, give up your anxiety due to ignorance of the self. You are now thinking of how they, who are helpless poor creatures, will exist without you. Report by Srila Prabhupada
When we think of our kith and kin as being helpless and dependent upon us, it is due to ignorance. Every living creature is allowed all protection by the order of the Supreme Lord in terms of each one's acquired position in the world. The Lord is known as Bhuta Brit, or one who gives protection to all living beings. One should discharge his duties only, for no one but the Supreme Lord can give protection to anyone else. This is explained more clearly in the following verse. Text 46 This gross material body, made of five elements, is already under the control of eternal time, kala, action, karma, and the modes of material nature, guna. How, then, can it, being already in the jaws of the serpent, protect others? Purport by Srila Prabhupada The world's movements for freedom through political, economic, social, and cultural propaganda can do no benefit to anyone, for they are controlled by superior power. A conditioned living being is under the full control of material nature, represented by eternal time and activities under the dictation of different modes of nature. There are three material modes of nature, namely goodness, passion, and ignorance. Unless one is situated in the mode of goodness, one cannot see things as they are. The passionate and the ignorant cannot even see things as they are. Therefore, a person who is passionate and ignorant cannot direct his activities on the right path. Only the man in the quality of goodness can help to a certain extent. Most persons are passionate and ignorant, and therefore their plans and projects can hardly do any good for others. Above the modes of nature, is eternal time, which is called kala, because it changes the shape of everything in the material world. Even if we are able to do something temporarily beneficial, time will see that the good project is frustrated in due course of time. The only thing possible to be done is to get rid of eternal time, kala, which is compared to the kala sarpa, or the cobra snake, whose bite is always lethal. No one can be saved from the bite of a cobra. The best remedy for getting out of the clutches of the cobra-like kala, or its integrity, the modes of nature, is bhakti-yoga, as it is recommended in the Bhagavad Gita, 1426. The highest perfectional project of philanthropic activities is to engage everyone in the act of preaching bhakti-yoga all over the world, because that alone can save the people from the control of maya, or the material nature represented by kala, karma, and guna, as described above. The Bhagavad Gita 1426 confirms this definitely.
Text 47. Ahastani sahastanam apadani chatus padam falguni tatramahatam jivo jivasya jivanam. Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands. Those devoid of legs are prey for the four-legged. The weak are the subsistence of the strong, and the general rule holds that one living being is food for another. Purport by Srila Prabhupada A systematic law of subsistence in the struggle for existence is there by the supreme will, and there is no escape for anyone by any amount of planning. The living beings who have come into this material world against the will of the Supreme Being are under the control of a supreme power called Maya Shakti, the deputed agent of the Lord. And this Daivi Maya is meant to pinch the conditioned souls by threefold miseries, one of which is explained here in this verse. The weak are the subsistence of the strong. No one is strong enough to protect himself from the onslaught of a stronger. And by the will of the Lord, there are systematic categories of the weak, the stronger, and the strongest. There's nothing to be lamented if a tiger eats a weaker animal, including a man, because that is the law of the Supreme Lord. But although the law states that a human being must subsist on another living being, there is the law of good sense also. For the human being is meant to obey the laws of the scriptures. This is impossible for other animals. The human being is meant for self-realization, and for that purpose he is not to eat anything which is not first offered to the Lord. The Lord accepts from his devotee all kinds of food preparations made of vegetables, fruits, leaves, and grains. Fruits, leaves, and milk in different varieties can be offered to the Lord, and after the Lord accepts the foodstuff, the devotee can partake of the prasad, by which all suffering in the struggle for existence will be gradually mitigated. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 9.26. Even those who are accustomed to eat animals can offer foodstuff, not to the Lord directly, but to an agent of the Lord, under certain conditions of religious rites. Injunctions of the scriptures are meant not to encourage the eaters of animals, but to restrict them by regulative principles. The living being is the source of subsistence for other, stronger living beings. No one should be very anxious for his subsistence in any circumstance, because there are living beings everywhere, and no living being starves for want of food at any place. Maharaj Yudhisthira is advised by Narada not to worry about his uncle's suffering for want of food, for they could live on vegetables available in the jungles, as prasad of the Supreme Lord, and thus realize the path of salvation. Exploitation of the weaker living being by the stronger 
is the natural law of existence. There is always an attempt to devour the weak in different kingdoms of living beings. There is no possibility of checking this tendency by any artificial means under material conditions. It can be checked only by awakening the spiritual sense of the human being, by practice of spiritual regulations. The spiritual regulative principles, however, do not allow a man to slaughter weaker animals on one side and teach others peaceful coexistence. If man does not allow the animals peaceful coexistence, how can he expect peaceful existence in human society? The blind leaders must, therefore, understand the Supreme Being and then try to implement the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God, or Ram Raj, is impossible without the awakening of God-consciousness in the mass mind of the people of the world. Text 48. Therefore, O King, you should look to the Supreme Lord only, who is one without a second, and who manifests himself by different energies, and is both within and without. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The Supreme Lord personality of Godhead is one without a second, but he manifests himself by different energies because he is by nature blissful. The living beings are also manifestations of his marginal energy, qualitatively one with the Lord. And there are innumerable living beings, both within and without the external and internal energies of the Lord. Since the spiritual world is a manifestation of the Lord's internal energy, the living beings within that internal potency are qualitatively one with the Lord without contamination from the external potency. Although qualitatively one with the Lord, the living being, due to contamination of the material world, is pervertedly manifested and therefore he experiences so-called happiness and distress in the material world. Such experiences are all ephemeral and do not affect the spirit's soul. The perception of such ephemeral happiness and distress is due only to the forgetfulness of his qualities, which are equal to the Lord's. There is, however, a regular current from the Lord himself, from within, and without, by which to rectify the fallen condition of the living being. From within, he corrects the desiring living beings as localized paramatma, and from without, he corrects by his manifestations, the spiritual master and the revealed scriptures. One should look unto the Lord. One should not be disturbed by the so-called manifestations of happiness and distress but he should try to cooperate with the Lord in his outward activities for correcting the fallen souls. By his order only, one should become a spiritual master and cooperate with the Lord. 
One should not become a spiritual master for one's personal benefit, for some material gain, or as an avenue of business or occupation for earning livelihood. Bonafide spiritual masters, who look only to the Supreme Lord to cooperate with Him, are actually qualitatively one with the Lord, and the forgetful ones are perverted reflections only. Yudhisthira Maharaj is advised by Narada, therefore, not to be disturbed by the affairs of the so-called happiness and distress, but to look only unto the Lord to execute the mission for which the Lord has descended. That was his prime duty. Text 49 That Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, in the guise of all-devouring time, Kalarupa, has now descended to the earth to eliminate the envious from the world. Purport by Srila Prabhupada There are two classes of human beings, namely the envious and the obedient. Since the Supreme Lord is one and the father of all living beings, the envious living beings are also his sons, but they are known as asuras. But the living beings who are obedient to the Supreme Father are called devatas, or demigods, because they are not contaminated by the material conception of life. Not only are the asuras envious of the Lord and even denying the existence of the Lord, but they are also envious of all other living beings. The predominance of asuras in the world is occasionally rectified by the Lord when he eliminates them from the world and establishes the rule of devatas, like the Pandavas. His designation as Kala in disguise is significant. He is not at all dangerous, but he is the transcendental form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. For the devotees, his actual form is disclosed, and for the non-devotees, he appears like Kalarupa, which is the causal form. The causal form of the Lord is not at all pleasing to the Asuras, and therefore they think of the Lord as formless in order to feel secure that they will not be vanquished by the Lord. Text 50. The Lord has already performed his duties to help the demigods, and he is awaiting the rest. You Pandavas may wait as long as the Lord is here on earth. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The Lord descends from his abode, Krishna Loka the topmost planet in the spiritual sky. In order to help the demigod administrators of this material world when they are greatly vexed by the asuras, or envious, not only of the Lord, but also of his devotees. As referred to above, 
The conditioned living beings contact material association by their own choice, dictated by a strong desire to lord it over the resources of the material world and become imitation lords of all they survey. Everyone is trying to become an imitation god. There is keen competition amongst such imitation gods, and such competitors are generally known as asuras. When there are too many asuras in the world, then it becomes a hell for those who are devotees of the Lord. Due to the growth of the asuras, the mass of people who are generally devoted to the Lord by nature and the pure devotees of the Lord, including the demigods in the higher planets, pray to the Lord for relief. And the Lord either descends personally from his abode or deputes some of his devotees to remodel the fallen condition of human society or even animal society. Such disruptions take place not only in human society, but also among animals, birds, or other living beings, including the demigods in the higher planets. Lord Sri Krishna descended personally to vanquish asuras like Kamsa, Jarasandha, and Shishupal. And during the reign of Maharaj Yudhisthira, almost all these asuras were killed by the Lord. Now, he was awaiting the annihilation of his own dynasty, called the Yaruvamsa, who appeared by his will in this world. He wanted to take them away before his own departure to his eternal abode. Narada, like Vidura, did not disclose the imminent annihilation of the Yadu dynasty, but he indirectly gave a hint to the king and his brothers to wait till the incident happened and the Lord departed. Text 51 O King, your uncle Dhritarashtra, his brother Vidura, and his wife Gandhari have gone to the southern side of the Himalayan mountains, where there are shelters of the great sages. Purport by Srila Prabhupada To pacify the mourning Maharaj Yudhisthira, Narada first of all spoke from the philosophical point of view, and then he began to describe the future movements of his uncle, which he could see by his foreseeing powers, and thus he began to describe as follows. Texts 52 and 53 the place is called Shaptashrota, divided by seven, because there the waters of the sacred Ganges were divided into seven branches. This was done for the satisfaction of the seven great rishis. On the banks of Saptashrota, Dhritarashtra is now engaged in beginning Astanga Yoga by bathing three times daily in the morning, noon, and evening, by performing the Agnihotra sacrifice with fire, and by drinking only water. This helps one control the mind and senses, and frees one completely from thoughts of familial affection. PURPORT 
by Srila Prabhupada. The yoga system is a mechanical way to control the senses and the mind and divert them from matter to spirit. The preliminary processes are the sitting posture, meditation, spiritual thoughts, manipulation of air passing within the body, and gradual situation in trance facing the absolute person, Paramatma. Such mechanical ways of rising to the spiritual platform prescribe some regulative principles of taking bath three times daily, fasting as far as possible, sitting and concentrating the mind on spiritual matters, and thus gradually becoming freed from vishaya, or material objectives. Material existence means to be absorbed in the material objective, which is simply illusory. House, country, family, society, children, property, and business are some of the material coverings of the spirit, Atma, and the yoga system helps one to become freed from all these illusory thoughts and gradually turn toward the absolute person, Paramatma. By material association and education, we learn simply to concentrate on flimsy things. But yoga is the process of forgetting them altogether. Modern so-called yogis and yoga systems manifest some magical feats, and ignorant persons are attracted by such false things or they accept the yoga system as a cheap healing process for diseases of the gross body. But factually, the yoga system is the process of learning to forget what we have acquired throughout the struggle for existence. Dhritarashtra was all along engaged in improving family affairs by raising the standard of living of his sons, or by usurping the property of the Pandavas for the sake of his own sons. These are common affairs for a man grossly materialistic and without knowledge of the spiritual force. He does not see how this can drag one from heaven to hell. By the grace of his younger brother, Vidura, Dhritarashtra was enlightened and could see his gross illusory encagements. And by such enlightenment, he was able to leave home for spiritual realization. Sri Narada Dev was just foretelling the way of spiritual progress in a place which was sanctified by the flow of the celestial Ganges. Drinking water only, without solid food, is considered fasting. This is necessary for advancement of spiritual knowledge. A foolish man wants to be a cheap yogi without observing the regulative principles. A man who has no control over the tongue at first can hardly become a yogi. Yogi and bogi are two opposite terms. The bogi, or the merry man who eats and drinks, cannot be a yogi, for a yogi is never allowed to eat and drink unrestrictedly. We may note with profit how Dhritarashtra began his yoga system by drinking water only and sitting calmly in a place with a spiritual atmosphere, deeply absorbed in the thoughts of the Lord Hari, the personality of Godhead.
Text 54. One who has controlled the sitting postures, the yogic asans, and the breathing process can turn the senses toward the Absolute Personality of Godhead and thus become immune to the contaminations of the modes of material nature, namely mundane goodness, passion, and ignorance. Report by Śrīla Prabhupāda The preliminary activities of the way of yoga are asana, pranayama, pratyahara, dhyana, dharana, etc. Maharaj Dhritarashtra was to attain success in these preliminary actions because he was seated in a sanctified place and was concentrating upon one objective, namely the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari. Thus, all his senses were being engaged in the service of the Lord. This process directly helps the devotee get freed from the contaminations of the three modes of material nature. Even the highest mode, the material mode of goodness, is also a cause of material bondage, and what to speak of the other qualities, namely passion and ignorance. Passion and ignorance increase the material propensities of hankering for material enjoyment, and a strong sense of lust provokes the accumulation of wealth and power. One who has conquered these two base mentalities and has raised himself to the platform of goodness, which is full of knowledge and morality, cannot also control the senses, namely the eyes, the tongue, the nose, the ear, and touch. But one who has surrendered himself unto the lotus feet of Lord Hari, as above mentioned, can transcend all influences of the modes of material nature and be fixed in the service of the Lord. The bhakti-yoga process, therefore, directly applies the senses to the loving service of the Lord. This prohibits the performer from engaging in material activities. This process of turning the senses from material attachment to the loving transcendental service of the Lord is called pratyahara, and the very process is called pranayam, ultimately ending in samadhi, or absorption, in pleasing the Supreme Lord Hari, by all means. Text 55 Dhritarashtra will have to amalgamate his pure identity with intelligence and then merge into the Supreme Being with knowledge of his qualitative oneness as a living entity with the Supreme Brahman. Being freed from the blocked sky, he will have to rise to the spiritual sky. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. The living being, by his desiring to lord it over the material world and declining to cooperate with the Supreme Lord, contacts the sum total of the material world, namely the Mahatattva. And from the Mahatattva, his false identity with the material world, intelligence, mind, and senses, is developed. 
This covers his pure spiritual identity. By the yogic process, when his pure identity is realized in self-realization, one has to revert to the original position by amalgamating the five gross elements and the subtle elements, mind and intelligence, into the Mahatattva again. Thus, getting freed from the clutches of the Mahatattva, he has to merge in the existence of the Supersoul. In other words, he has to realize that qualitatively he is non-different from the Supersoul, and thus he transcends the material sky by pure intelligence, and thus becomes engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. This is the highest perfectional development of spiritual identity, which was attained by Dhritarashtra by the grace of Vidura and the Lord. The Lord's mercy was bestowed upon him by his personal contact with Vidura. And when he was actually practicing the instructions of Vidura, the Lord helped him to attain this highest perfectional stage. A pure devotee of the Lord does not live on any planet in the material sky nor does he feel any contact with material elements. His so-called material body does not exist, being surcharged with the spiritual current of the Lord's identical interest. And thus, he is permanently freed from all contaminations of the sum total of the Mahatattva. He is always in this spiritual sky, which he attains by being transcendental to the sevenfold material coverings by the effect of his devotional service. The conditioned souls are within the coverings, whereas the liberated soul is far beyond the cover. Text 56. He will have to suspend all the actions of the senses, even from the outside, and will have to be impervious to interactions of the senses, which are influenced by the modes of material nature. After renouncing all material duties, he must become immovably established beyond all sources of hindrance on the path. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Dhritarashtra had attained, by the yogic process, the stage of negation of all sorts of material reaction. The effects of the material modes of nature draw the victim to indefatigable desires of enjoying matter. But one can escape such false enjoyment by the yogic process. Every sense is always busy in searching for its food, and thus the conditioned soul is assaulted from all sides and has no chance to become steady in any pursuit. Maharaj Yudhisthira was advised by Narada not to disturb his uncle by attempting to bring him back home. He was now beyond the attraction of anything material. The material modes of nature, the gunas, have their different modes of activities. But above the material modes of nature, is a spiritual mode, which is absolute. Nirguna means without reaction. The spiritual mode and its effect are identical. 
Therefore, the spiritual quality is distinguished from its material counterpart by the word nirguna. After complete suspension of the material modes of nature, one is admitted to the spiritual sphere. An action dictated by the spiritual modes is called devotional service, or bhakti. Bhakti is therefore nirguna, attained by direct contact with the Absolute. Text 57 O King, he will quit his body, most probably on the fifth day from today, and his body will turn to ashes. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Narada Muni's prophecy prohibited Yudhisthira Maharaj from going to the place where his uncle was staying, because even after quitting the body by his own mystic power, Dhritarashtra would not be in need of any funeral ceremony. Narada Muni indicated that his body, by itself, would burn to ashes. The perfection of the yoga system is attained by such mystic power. The yogi is able to quit his body by his own choice of time and can attain any planet he desires by turning the present body into ashes by self-made fire. Text 58 While outside, observing her husband, who will burn in the fire of mystic power along with his thatched cottage, his wife will enter the fire with rapt attention. Report by Srila Prabhupada Gandhari was an ideal chaste lady, a life companion of her husband. And therefore, when she saw her husband burning in the fire of mystic yoga, along with his cottage of leaves, she despaired. She left home after losing her 100 sons. And in the forest, she saw that her most beloved husband was also burning. Now, she actually felt alone, and therefore she entered the fire of her husband and followed her husband to death. This entering of a chaste lady into the fire of her dead husband is called the sati rite, and the action is considered to be most perfect for a woman. In a later age, the sati rite became an obnoxious criminal affair because the ceremony was forced upon even an unwilling woman. In this fallen age, it is not possible for any lady to follow the sati rite as chastely as it was done by Gandhari and others in past ages. A chaste wife like Gandhari would feel the separation of her husband to be more burning than actual fire. Such a lady can observe the sati rite voluntarily and there is no criminal force by anyone. When the right became a formality only, and force was applied upon a lady to follow this principle, actually it became criminal, and therefore this ceremony was to be stopped by state law. This prophecy of Narada Muni to Maharaj Yudhisthira 
forbade him to go to his widowed aunt. Text 59. Vidura, being affected with delight and grief, will then leave that place of sacred pilgrimage. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Vidura was astonished to see the marvelous departure of his brother, Dhritarashtra, as a liberated yogi, for in his past life, he was much attached to materialism. Of course, it was only due to Vidura that his brother attained the desirable goal of life. Vidura was therefore glad to learn about it, but he was sorry that he could not make his brother turn into a pure devotee. This was not done by Vidura because of Dhritarashtra's being inimical to the Pandavas, who were all devotees of the Lord. An offense at the feet of a Vaishnav is more dangerous than an offense at the lotus feet of the Lord. Vidura was certainly very liberal to bestow mercy upon his brother, Dhritarashtra, whose past life was very materialistic. But ultimately, the result of such mercy certainly depended on the will of the Supreme Lord in the present life. Therefore, Dhritarashtra attained liberation only, and after many such liberated states of life, one can attain to the stage of devotional service. Vidura was certainly very mortified by the death of his brother and sister-in-law, and the only remedy to mitigate such lamentation was to go out on pilgrimage. Thus, Maharaj Yudhisthira had no chance to call back Vidura, his surviving uncle. Text 60 Having spoken thus, the great sage Narada, along with his Veena, ascended into outer space. Yudhisthira kept his instruction in his heart, and so was able to get rid of all lamentations. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Sri Naradaji is an eternal spaceman having been endowed with a spiritual body by the grace of the Lord. He can travel in outer space of both the material and spiritual worlds without restriction and can approach any planet in unlimited space within no time. We have already discussed his previous life as the son of a maidservant. Because of his association with pure devotees, he was elevated to the position of an eternal spaceman and thus had complete freedom of movement. One should therefore try to follow in the footsteps of Narada Muni and not make a futile effort to reach other planets by mechanical means. Maharaj Yudhisthira was a pious king, and therefore he could see Narada Muni occasionally. Anyone who desires to see Narada Muni must first be pious and follow in the footsteps of Narada Muni. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the first canto, 13th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled, Dhritarashtra Quits Home.